0: The title of today's sermon is The Mask in Giving. Our text is taken from Matthew 6, verses 1 to 4. Let us rise from our seats and read together Matthew 6, 1 to 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor... Do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Shall we bow our heads in prayer at this time? Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for this blessed opportunity to study your word. Indeed, O God, your word is spirit and life. Your word is that which encourages us, inspires us, builds us up, instructs us and that is why Lord we thank you that you have given us the gift of your word and we pray oh God that your word will be clearly exposited and explained today even as I pray for myself and seek your grace and anointing Lord Jesus Christ speak to your people and use me Lord as your messenger And whatever is going to be achieved today, we give you back the glory, the praises, and thanks. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. Uh, In one Facebook post, I saw that uh, Paul Washer said something like this. I, I can't quote it verbatim, but he said something like this. Right now in this pandemic crisis, people Are starting to wear masks. But he said that in church people have been wearing masks for a long, long time already. Obviously, there is pun intended there. Now, the big question, of course, is why do people wear masks? Well, one of the things I can think of is that people want to wear masks to create a positive impression on people. Behind that, of course, is the motive of being admired, or maybe applauded, accepted, or even put on a pedestal for people's admiration. And so obviously, these are some of the motives of some people. But of all the masks that uh, we see people wearing, The mask of religious hypocrisy is probably the worst among all of them. And this is the the very thing that Jesus attacked during his time when he was doing his public ministry. And in our study, there are three illustrations that Jesus gave of religious hypocrisy. And in these illustrations, we find Um, three things which were highly esteemed among the Jews. One of which is almsgiving. The other one is praying. The other one is fasting. Now, all of these things happen to be uh, practical ways by which the Jews uh, displayed their piety. And obviously, as the Lord Jesus Christ points out in this passage, They did these things for self-glorification. And again, this was what the Lord Jesus Christ did not want to happen amongst those who claim themselves to be true believers. Now, in our study today, uh, we will see three noticeable points. In uh, point number one, in verse 1a, we find a warning for wrong motive. In verse 1b, the consequence of wrong motive. And finally, as our third point, we find in verses 2 to 4, the prescription for right motive. In verse 2, we find the application, don't announce it in public. In verse 3, don't announce it to yourself. And in verse 4, God will announce it. So let's begin with warning for motive or wrong motive in verse 1a. Let us read once again verse 1. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Now at the outset, this seems to be contradictory with Matthew 5 verse 16 where it says that we are to let our light shine before men that they may see our good works. So on one hand, in Matthew 5, it says that we are to do our good works that people might see them. But notice here the seeming contradiction when Jesus says that we are not to practice our righteousness before men to be noticed by them. And so a lot of us would tend to be confused. Which is really which? Should we practice our righteousness before men? Or should we hide our righteousness before men? So as I mentioned to you, some people see this as a seeming contradiction. But the truth of the matter is that there is no contradiction. They're actually complementary. What is it, therefore, that Jesus was attacking in this passage? Well, what he is attacking in this passage is the motive. So once again, I'd like to highlight that word, the motive. Whatever it is that we do, our motive should be clean and pure. Remember what the Lord uh, Jesus Christ said, Or what Paul said in the book of Romans when he says, whether we eat or drink, let us do it all for the glory of God. So the primary purpose of our existence and the primary purpose of why we do good works is for the glory of God. Now, in the two passages that I quoted to you in Matthew 5 and Matthew chapter 6, we find that there are differing motives. For example, in Matthew 5, verse 16, clearly the motive is to glorify your Father in heaven. That is what the Lord Jesus Christ said. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now notice, however, there is a difference in motive When it comes to Matthew 6, verse 1, because it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. So did you see the motive here? It is to be noticed by them. So on one hand, we find that the motive in Matthew 5 is to glorify the Father. In Matthew 6, however, what we find is self-exaltation or self-glorification. That is never ever to be our motive when we do good works. Because again, when we go back to what had happened in mainstream Judaism, many of the things that they were doing was for their own self-glorification which obviously God abhors. And so here we are told to beware of glorifying ourselves. Remember what verse 1 says, beware, it says. Now it comes from the Greek word, which means be on guard. We have to be on guard at all times. Why? Because our hearts are quite deceitful. Many times we do good works or we do uh, something that is uh, worthy of admiration. But oftentimes, our motive is not to glorify God. Sometimes our motive is for our own popularity, for our own fame, for our own self-exaltation. And remember, we are not to do that because God is a very jealous God. He will not share His glory to anyone. And that is something that we need to remind ourselves of. And you and I know that our hearts are deceitful uh, and it is desperately sick. And that is why we have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our hearts from wrong and impure motives. Because as A.W. Tozer said, one second we're holy, the next second we are not. And oftentimes, our thoughts are invaded by impurity, by impure motives. Now, self-glorification will always be a threat to true spirituality. And you and I know that if we become quite proud and arrogant, it definitely has an effect on our soul, a negative effect on our soul. And obviously, we do not want that happening because we want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We want to grow from glory to glory. We want to bear the resemblance of our Savior and Master, Jesus Christ. That is what we want to happen. But we need to know that true spirituality begins in the heart. That is why the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And if we want genuine transformation, it needs to begin in the very inner core of our beings, in our hearts. And so we are to be on guard for that. We should not do good deeds to be noticed by men. To earn a reputation for our own self-glory, that is something we must never ever do. Now the word noticed here is from the Greek word theanomai, from which we get the English word theater. So the idea here is a spectacle. A spectacle to be gazed upon. In other words it's more of an exhibition. And it's like the people during the time of Jesus Christ were saying watch me. I am a holy person. Watch me. I am a good and very generous and very kind man. Obviously, this was the motive they had. It was all for a spectacle. It was a performance. It was to exhibit and display before people their own righteousness. And obviously, they were doing it to be noticed, to become popular, to be put on a pedestal. Now, Jesus here is really not concerned about a set of literal rules. I think I made that quite clear in my previous sermons. Many of the things that Jesus uh, speaks to us are, are hyperboles or they are figures of speech. And they are not intended to be applied literally. And that is why we have to study the Bible in depth so that we can determine the meaning of what Jesus was trying to say. And again, here in this particular case, he's not giving us a set of literal rules. Otherwise, if it is a set of literal rules, he would be contradicting himself. And so what is the point here? The point again here has to do with motives. The point again here has to do with our own hearts. Now, the question is, Uh, we need to ask ourselves these questions. Is it for God or is it for self? What do we hope to achieve? These are things that we need to ask ourselves when we are doing good works. For what is this? And this morning in my quiet time, in my devotion. I was praying before the Lord, and I said, Lord, my prayer to you is that I would become faithful. I do not pray for fame. I do not pray for popularity. I do not pray for power. I do not pray for influence. Lord, my prayer is that I might be found faithful. And I think every believer should be able to pray that. Lord, keep us faithful. Because the truth of the matter is, whatever we accomplish, it is not really our work. It is really the work of God in and through us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that He distributes gifts as He wills it or as the Spirit of God wills it or desires it. And therefore... Since it is God who gives us whatever it is that we accomplish, we have no reason to boast. But you know, the self-delusion is that I did this. I'm such a great person. I'm such a, a, a generous person. Oftentimes, we pat ourselves on our backs and we tend to congratulate ourselves for the many good things that we do. But again, let us be mindful of the fact, in Philippians 2.13, it says, For it is God who is at work in us to perform that which He desires. And so again, it is not a matter of our own strength or our own abilities. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's very important to be reminded of that time and time again. Because the Bible clearly points out that the flesh accomplishes nothing. There is nothing good, the Bible says, that dwells in the flesh. So if there is emancipation, if there is empowering, if there is anointing, if there is accomplishment, it is all because of Of the work of God. That is why the psalmist was correct in saying, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. And time and time again, that is something we need to remind ourselves with. Remember, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And obviously, that is what we want. We want the grace of God the unmerited favor of God, but that will not happen, that will not take place if we are proud, arrogant, and boastful. And that is exactly what the Pharisees were. They were very proud of themselves and they were putting all their good works in display to be noticed by men. Now, if we look at the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, we find that the Lord Jesus did in fact, do a lot of good deeds, and I'd like you to notice this, in public. He did a lot of good deeds in public. Now, why am I I trying to point that out to you? I'm pointing that out to you that we might realize that Jesus does not mean for us to have a literal application of this. Now, in the case of Paul himself, the chief apostle, among the Gentiles. We find that in this quotation. He was also doing his good works in public. Now lo- notice what it says. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 9. Paul says. The things you have learned. And received. And heard. And watch this. And seen in me. Alright. And seen in me. Highlight that phrase. Practice These things and the God of peace will be with you. So clearly here, both the Lord Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul practiced the righteousness before men. They practiced the righteousness in public. So where lies the difference? The difference lies in the fact that the Pharisees were practicing the righteousness to be noticed by men. In the case of Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul, it was for the glory of God and for the purpose of portraying a model for people to follow. That is why Paul was saying, what you have seen in me, let these things be practiced by you. Now, there are two motives that should be foremost in our minds. Number one is the glory of God. And the extension of his kingdom. This is what the Lord Jesus meant when he was saying that we need to ask of him that our joy might be full. We cannot ask anything that is outside of the will of God, we cannot ask anything that is outside of the glory of God and outside the extension of his kingdom. Whatever it is that we ask that our joy might be full must always be in relation to His kingdom. Now, of course, we know that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. So the balance of Matthew 5 verse 16 and Matthew 6 verse 1 is to prevent us from doing two extremes. Number one is showboating or becoming monks and hermits. The issue, once again, is not the action, but the motive behind the action. Again, let me just read to you verse 1. It says here, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Now, I'd like to point out something very important in the Greek. The word beware here is in the Greek present imperative, which commands ongoing action of not, and you need to highlight that word, of not practicing righteousness as a matter of show. This is a regular long-term way of doing something as an ongoing lifestyle. In other words, we are never ever to do good works to be noticed by men. That should be a lifestyle. Our lifestyle should be a lifestyle of glorifying God and not glorifying ourselves. The process action must happen again and again and again over multiple situations or repeatedly, progressively in the same scenario. That is what the Greek implies to us. And oftentimes, as I mentioned to you, what happens is we do things for our own personal self-glorification. Let me just share to you the story of uh, Brother Juram Ramos, uh, our pastor in CCM in Davao City. Pastor Jurem... Um, if some of you do not know it, entered in the seminary, in, entered into the seminary to become a priest, and so while uh, in he was in seminary, there were certain things that he was trying to copy. For example, he was trying to copy how the priests would walk, and so they had this, uh, quote unquote, this this holy walk, the walk that made it appear that they were holy. And that was what uh, Jurem practiced at that time. He liked wearing the, the sotana, even as a seminarian. And he was very, very, uh, very happy when, when people would call him Father Jurem. Although he was, he was still a seminarian. That was something that, that thrilled him no end. But he said it was all about projection. And... When we compare uh, the life of Pastor Jurem with the Pharisees and the scribes, it was really more about projection. and again, it was projecting a particular image for one's own exaltation. But then Pastor Jurem made a confession that even while he was a seminarian, whenever he would take a vacation in the rest house, he would devour. Pornographic materials. And according to his testimony, when they were in seminary, when they were in their dormitories, the double decks became single decks at night because they were practicing homosexual activities. And again, what do we see here? There is duplicity. There is hypocrisy. And this was something that Jesus was battling, this was something that Jesus was opposing. Because again, if we do certain things, it should never be for ourselves. When we do certain things, it should always be for the glory of God. Now in verse 1b, we will be talking about the consequence of wrong motive. It says here, otherwise you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Now, here's the thing. If an act was done for God and for His glory, we would definitely receive an eternal reward in heaven. Now, that is guaranteed. That is guaranteed. Why? Because our God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. On the other hand, If we do certain things, not for the glory of God, but for our own glory, the Bible tells us that the consequence of that is we will receive no reward whatsoever. And you know what? When you and I get to be in heaven, that is one of the things that we look forward to. We look forward to our rewards. Not that. Uh, We do it simply because we want to have all these blessings in eternity. We do it because we know it brings pleasure in the mind and the heart of our God. We want to be told, well done, good and faithful servant. Because we know that we have brought pleasure into the very heart of God. And that is what you and I desire. And so here in verses 2 to 4, we are given a prescription for right motive. In verse 2, we are told, don't announce it in public. All right, so that is the prescription really here. Don't announce it in public. In verse 2, it says, So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Now, I'd like to break this down to you piece by piece, just so we might be able to look at the highlights of this particular passage. Now, I'd like you to notice that it says, So when, it does not say so if. And by that, what do I mean by highlighting the word when? Well, the word when means that it is something that is expected of us. The only issue here, the only question here has to do with timing. The word if, however, tells us that this is something that is optional. So my point really here is that being generous is not something that is optional on our part. It is something that is expected by God. Because after all, we are beneficiaries of God's manifold grace. We are recipients of the manifold grace of God. And because of that, we too are to be dispensers of grace. God has blessed us that we might be a blessing to others. Now that is something that God made clear to Abraham uh, when God gave him this Abrahamic covenant. God was going to bless Abraham, why? For the purpose of being a blessing to many nations. And so that should be true as well in our case. So when God blesses us, remember this, it is not just for us to enjoy, but it is for us to steward. We are to steward the manifold blessings of God. We are to share it to others. Because oftentimes when God blesses us, it is always an overflow. It is never just enough. God always gives us more than enough. And because He gives us more than enough, it is supposed to be uh, used to bless other people. Now, just to point out to you something that Jesus was doing, He was likewise giving to the poor during His public ministry. And the implication is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 29, notice what it says here. For some were supposing, because Judas had the money backs, a box rather, that Jesus was saying to him, Buy the things we have need for the feast, or else that he should give something to the poor. Now, notice here, they were supposing, the disciples were supposing, that Jesus was asking for preparations for the feast, or that there should be something that should be given to the poor. Now, the fact that this was something that was presumed upon by the disciples meant that in the three-year ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, He was constantly giving to the poor. In fact, one great example was the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves of bread and fishes. That in itself tells us that Jesus had the heart for the poor. Jesus had the heart for those who were needy. So whatever money they had, they shared it likewise to the poor people. And again, that is expected of us as well. By the way, we're not talking about indiscriminate giving here. We're talking about giving here with discernment. We are to give to those who have a genuine need, not those who are faking a need. And so again, we need to be able to practice discernment in acts of giving. Now, almsgiving refers to acts of mercy or pity, but came to be used primarily of giving money, food, or clothing, to the poor. Now, here's the thing that the Lord Jesus was warning the, the disciples or those who are listening to him. He says, So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. In this passage, we are reminded once again to have the right motives. Now, almsgiving, we know to be a duty that is to be performed by the Jews. It was a religious duty. It was not a philanthropic option in Judaism. Now, to prove my point to you, I'd just like to share some passages from the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7, we find this. It says, If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers, in any of your towns, in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor close your hand from your poor brother, but you shall freely open your hand to him, and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks." Beware that there is no base thought in your heart saying the seventh year, the year of remission is near and your eye is hostile toward your poor brother and you give him nothing. Then he may cry to the Lord against you and it will be a sin in you. You shall generously give to him and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you In all your work and in all your undertakings, for the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, You shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and poor in your land. Now, let me just share a little sidebar here for purposes of just grounding us in the Word of God. Of course, you've heard me going against prosperity preachings, and oftentimes uh, prosperity preachers talk about the blessing that God pours upon the nation of Israel during times of obedience and during times wherein they yield themselves to uh, the Lord fulfilling their covenant with the lord and and so they reason out and they say, notice that God has." has promised prosperity to his people for as long as they obey. Now, I'd like you to understand that the covenant blessings that God gave to Israel was a covenant blessing for the entire nation. And so, yes, when the people of Israel obeyed, it meant prosperity for them. But does it mean that every individual or every Jew in Israel would become prosperous? The answer to that is no. While generally speaking, there might be prosperity for the entire land, there would still be poor people among the Jews. And clearly, that is what verse 11 states. For the poor will never cease to be in the land. Again, let me point that out. The Bible says for the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore, I command you saying you shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and poor in your land. And so here we find that not everybody would have guaranteed prosperity. But here's the thing. For people who have been prospered by God, notice what you are to do with your prosperity. You are to share it with those who are needy. You are to share it with those who are poor. That is what God wants. And once again, this is really a test of the human heart. This is really a test of our own obedience. So once again, let me point out to you that almsgiving was not a philanthropic option. It was a religious duty Among the Jews. And when they did that, they were not to do it for their own glory, but for the glory of God. Now, by the first century AD, almsgiving actually became very much organized. And that's a good thing, by the way. However, for some people, it became an occasion of showboating, even in the church, by the way. And that is why you have the example of Ananias and Sapphira. You and I know that in the early church, uh, when God poured out His Spirit upon the church, all of a sudden they became very unselfish. They were very selfless. And there were a lot of Jews who uh, sold their properties and they shared whatever blessings they had and gave it to the apostles for distribution among the poor. But what did Ananias and Sapphira do? Well, they likewise sold their property. But here's the problem. They made it appear that they gave everything. All the prophets were given to the apostles. But the truth of the matter was they kept back a portion of it, while creating the impression that they gave everything. Why were they doing that? They were doing it as an ostentatious display of their generosity. And again, here's where we see that because of that, they were judged right on the spot. They, uh, they, were, they committed what is called a sin unto death sin unto physical death. God took them home because of their pride, their arrogance, because of their impure motive. And again, here's where we see that God doesn't want that. And since it was the uh, early part of the history of the church, the the Lord Jesus Christ wanted the church to be set apart from Judaism. Judaism which was full of religious hypocrisy, which was full of of wearing masks. And he did not want the church to copy what was happening in Judaism at that time. Therefore, the judgment of Ananias and Sapphira. Once again, here we find that Jesus says, when we do good deeds, do not sound a trumpet. In other words, do not call attention to yourself. Now, something very interesting about the phrase do not sound a trumpet in the Greek. It is a negated New Testament aorist imperative. Again, it is a negated New Testament aorist imperative in the Greek, which conveys what? Basically, this is the thought. This must never happen, not even once. Again, the point is, this must never happen, not even once. It is absolutely out of the question, ruled out at every point. So the point of Jesus Christ is don't even think about it. Don't even think about making your deeds noticed by men. Never have that as your motive. Now, I'd like to share to you the example of Mother Teresa and Amy Carmichael. And I'd like you to observe the difference between the two. Mother Teresa lived a seemingly impeccable life. She lived a life of austerity, sacrifice, compassion. When she was given a world-winning award, she was honored as a quote-unquote living saint, a living saint. And when she was uh, given this award, I'm sorry, when she was offered this award, she went, she received it as well. Now, if you ask my humble opinion on this particular case, I think it was a terrible mistake. You know why? Because the award created the impression that she was a living saint. Now, biblically speaking, brothers and sisters, we are saints, and that is how the Bible calls us, that is how Paul calls those who have given their allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ, he calls them saints. However, we are called saints not because of our sacrifice, not because of our compassion, not because of the good deeds that we have done. We are called saints because we have been cleansed and washed by the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, saints being called saints is not a badge. It is not a trophy. It is not a plaque. It merely means that if you are a saint, you are forgiven by God. You have received unmerited favor. And I think therein lies the mistake of Mother Teresa. Now, in the case of Amy Carmichael, well, Amy Carmichael, uh, her life coincided with that of Mother Teresa. She was like a, a woman of compassion, a woman of sacrifice, a woman who had done great things. Now, just like Mother Teresa, she was likewise given an award for similar exploits. However, she refused to receive the award. Why? Because in her heart she says that only God deserves The credit. Only God deserves the honor. Remember what I mentioned to you last time around? You and I, if I were to use an analogy, an illustration, we are merely gloves. You know, gloves cannot do anything. Gloves cannot hold a glass. Gloves cannot clean a table. Gloves cannot do anything. The only time a glove can do something is when the hand is put inside the glove that's the only time the glove can do something And you know what if we compare ourselves with that analogy we are merely gloves in the hand of God We are just like that that fly on on top of an on on the back of an elephant. No, we are not shaking the world. The elephant is the one shaking the world. We are merely a fly on the back of that elephant. I like what Pastor Edmund Chan would often say when he thinks of himself and many of the things that he has accomplished. He reminds himself that he is merely a little drummer boy in the presence of the Lord. In so far as I'm concerned, I always say this using the illustration or the analogy in uh, the book of Proverbs. I see myself merely as a lizard in the king's palace. A lizard in the king's palace. We are not to think highly of ourselves because whatever it is that we accomplish, it is only because of God. Now, the word hypocrites, by the way, in the Greek means a play actor. Somebody who performs before an audience. And interestingly, do you know that a Greek actor would wear a mask depending on what or whom he was portraying. He would wear that mask and exaggerated the role that was being dramatized. In other words, he was pretending to What he was not. Now, where were the people or where were the Pharisees doing their supposed good works to be noticed by men? In the synagogues and in the streets. They were places of secular and religious resort where, where people could notice them. Now, what was the aim? It was to be honored by men. Again, what is the emphasis of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do not announce it to others for your own self-glorification. And continuing on, it says, Truly, I say to you, they have the reward in full. Now, the word reward, once again, in Greek is quite interesting because it speaks of wages which have been earned. Wages which have been earned. The word have, by the way, is a commercial term which means receipt in full. Receipt in full. Which implies that you have no more to look forward to. You have received your reward. You have received your wages. And therefore, you have nothing more to look forward to in heaven. In other words, the only reward that you have Is the admiration of men, the applause of men, the the pedestal that you were put in by men. That becomes your reward here on earth. In so far as heaven is concerned, you will no longer have a reward. Now, in verse 3, we find another prescription of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't announce it to yourself. In verse 3. It says, but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Let me ask you this question. If you do something with your right hand, is it possible that your left hand will not know it? Or let's do it the reverse. If your left hand does something good or bad, is it possible that your right hand will not know it? Now, obviously, what your right hand does The left hand knows. What the left hand does, the right hand knows. And so again, Jesus did not mean this to be applied literally. We have to, once again, try to draw the implication of this. And the whole point, really, of Jesus Christ in this passage is, we are not even to notice our own good deeds. Meaning to say, When we are to do good deeds, we are not to pat ourselves on the shoulder. We are not to congratulate ourselves and say, Oh, what a good person you are. What a generous person you are. What a kind person you are. Oftentimes, we have this tendency to congratulate ourselves. Now, let me tell you this. That is fertile ground for pride. That is fertile ground for for arrogance and self boasting. As the Bible says, Let him who boasts boast in this, that he knows the Lord. If we are to boast, we are merely to boast in the Lord, not in ourselves. We are to boast in God and in God alone. The giver should forget what he gives lest it turn out to become spiritual pride. Now, why is this so? Why should we not be proud? Well, let me give you a scripture. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, here's what it says. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So again let me just repeat that. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. So should we really congratulate ourselves? Should we should we pat ourselves on the back? Should we give ourselves a standing ovation? Should we give ourselves an applause? For doing the good things that we have done? Certainly not. Because the Bible says it is God who prepared beforehand these good works that we should walk in them. Again, I go back to Philippians 2.13. For it is God who is at work in us, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Jesus Himself said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so therefore, if you and I have accomplishments in life, if you and I have done some good things, it's all because of God. I recall what one preacher said. He said, if you see bad things in me, that's me. But if you see good things in me, that's not me. That's God. And I think that is really wise. And that is why when we go to the book of Revelation, by the way, we see the elders laying down their crowns at the feet of their master. What do you think that means? Well, whatever crowns we have, the truth of the matter is, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who deserves that. We have simply been crowned because of the grace of God. And I recall one preacher who always had this practice that after he had preached and people had come to him and said to him how, how blessed he was or how blessed they were with his preaching. You know what he would do when he would go home? He would kneel down and he would imagine a crown placed on his head. A crown probably of the applause, the admiration of people for his great ministry And he would lift this imaginary crown on his head. He would lift it up and imagine putting it on the head of the Lord Jesus Christ. In effect, he was saying, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name, give glory. Now, in verse 4, we find the third prescription. And the third prescription is this. God will announce it. We don't announce it to others. We don't announce our good works to others. We don't announce it even to ourselves. So what's going to happen? Whatever good works we do, it is God Himself who will announce it. Look at what verse 4 says. So that your giving will be in secret and your Father who sees what is done In secret, will remember you. Again, let me just point out to you that um, the Lord was not saying that every good deed that we do, we are to do uh, in the darkness or uh, in hiding. No, that's not the point. I I like what uh, one well known uh, preacher said. Um, He goes by the name of uh, A.B. Bruce. And this is what he said. We are to show when tempted to hide and hide when tempted to show. Again, let me just quote to you, A.B. Bruce, he said, we are to show when tempted to hide and hide when tempted to show. So again, there lies the balance, dear brothers and sisters. Again, the point is, we're not to do this literally. The point is, if we remember, God will forget. And if we forget, God will remember. The stress here in this passage is on the source and quality of reward in comparison with the hypocrite's wages. So, yes, yes the hypocrite will have his wages here on earth as he receives the admiration of people. But for those of us who are humble, those of us who do not even notice our own good works, those of us who glorify God, we will be rewarded by God. It will be announced in heaven, in other words. And that is why, again, let us set our minds and our hearts towards investing in heaven and not here on earth. That is the point of the passage. Now, I believe that um, we will receive rewards in heaven on things which we may have even forgotten. Just like what happened um, with uh, what the Lord Jesus Christ says in the Gospels, when I was sick, um, you visited me, um, or rather, When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was hungry, you fed me, and so on and so forth. And people would ask him, Lord, when did we do these things? And the Lord Jesus Christ said, If you do this to the least of my brethren, you have done this to me as well. And I believe there will be many things that you and I will forget. Things that we have done here on earth. Good things. And probably when we get to be in heaven... Uh, We will be rewarded for those things. And we will say, Lord, when did I do this thing? And God will merely say to us, it is all written in my book. I remember every good work that you have done. And now it is time for you to receive a reward. The Father will reward acts of devotion and Not only in the next life, but even in this life. In Proverbs 11, verse 25, it says, The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will will himself be watered. Now, listen to me. In ending, I just like to say, God knows the difference between what is fake and what is genuine. We cannot fool God. If there is duplicity, we will be exposed. Remember what the Lord Jesus said. There is nothing hidden that shall not be exposed. In fact, the Bible says, Paul says in the book of Corinthians, that God will judge every thought, every intention, and every motive of our hearts. Some of our works are going to be like gold, silver, and precious stones. You put it under fire, it will remain. But unfortunately, some people will be doing works that are made of wood, hay, and straw. And when you put them under fire, they will be burned. Some of us, we will lose our rewards because we did not do it with the right heart. Remember this, you can do the right thing with the wrong heart. And if you do the right thing with the wrong heart, that will not have any reward whatsoever. So what God requires of us is not only purity on the outside, but purity on the inside as well. Our moral resemblance with our Savior should not merely be a facade or something external. Our moral and spiritual resemblance with our Savior should be something that is truthful, something that is in our hearts. Do you know that in the scriptures, in the Old Testament particularly, there are only two people who spoke about integrity in their hearts? One would be um, somebody, uh, a ruler that Abraham got connected with and he spoke about the integrity of his heart. The other person who said this as well was David. He spoke about the integrity of his heart. And by that, it means that David had no duplicity. He was exactly what he was in the presence of God, and in the presence of men. There was no difference. Some of us are different publicly and privately. Our public life and our private life should coincide and align with each other. There should be no distinction. Who we are in private is who we should be in public as well. Let us not be hypocrites who are merely play actors. We are not in a theater. We are not trying to create a spectacle or an exhibition to be gazed upon. But friends, remember this. We are performing before an audience of one. And that is God himself. Let us be true in spirit And indeed, that is what God desires for all of us. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, the heart is desperately sick. It is more deceitful than anything else. And at times, O God, we must confess that sometimes our hearts are not right before you. And so, Lord, we ask for mercy That in your goodness and kindness, you would purify our hearts, our motives, and our intentions. So that when we do good works, we do not do it for our own glory, but for your own glory, O God. Let it be that you and you alone shall be exalted. And just like the psalmist, would would we be able to say, Not to us, not to us, O Lord, but to your name give glory. Help us, O God, that we might bear your resemblance. Help us, O Lord, that we might be like Christ. Take away any duplicity. Take away any hypocrisy in our hearts. Make us genuine, O Lord. And so, Father, we thank you as well for the opportunity to give our tithes, our grace gifts, and our offerings. Bless and prosper us, Lord, that we might bless your church and bless others as well. Lord, whatever has been achieved today, we give you back the glory, the praises, and the thanks. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen and amen.